0: Sarah and I have always had dogs. We never had cats until we moved out into the country. Have you ever asked yourself or said to yourself this question, is this it? I think most of us have, especially if we've had kids. But we've been watching our neighbor's dogs, and having all these extra dogs in our house has had all of our cats on edge. And so the cats have been living in our bedroom and our bathroom. And we've been trying to figure out where they have been going to the bathroom. Well, the kids come running downstairs the other night. They go, Dad, Dad, you got to come and see this. So I go upstairs and Sarah's laughing hysterically and the cat's sitting there innocently. And Sarah says, I figured out where the cats have been going to the bathroom at. She was brushing her teeth. Oso jumped up onto the countertop. That's the cat. Sarah's petting the cat. She stops brushing her teeth, turns around, looks over, and Oso's sitting in the sink. And she looks at the cat, and the cat does this. And she goes, no way. Goes over, and sure enough, the cats have been peeing in the sink. So I ask you, is that it to owning cats? I don't know about this cat business. I can handle dogs, but the cat going in the sink. If you've ever said to yourself, this is not what I had envisioned when I was younger. If you've ever said to yourself, this is not where I thought I would be at this point in my life. Or you have said, this is not how I thought it would all turn out. Or if you have said to yourself, I thought there was more than this. Then you have something in common with one of the many thousands of people who lived in Ephesus. Because in Ephesus, as we'll learn, it was very easy to be forgotten, to be a face in the crowd, to literally be a warm body. To be lost in a world that was full of identity. That's what it was like for people who lived in Ephesus. David even said in Psalm 31.12, he said, I am forgotten as though I were dead. I've become like broken pottery. And David said this when he was a young man. When life should have been full and vibrant and full of energy. And he said, I, I'm forgotten as though I were dead. And I think that's relevant because we all have these periods in our life where we go, is this it? In our Christianity, we go, is this it? I, I, I feel like there's supposed to be more. I hear there's supposed to be more. We ask ourselves those questions. Am I... Actually called? Am I genuinely important in this huge world? Am I valued? Am I of worth to God? Am I more than a a carbon dioxide factory? Is my purpose in life to exhale so my neighbor's garden can grow strong? Let's look at Ephesians 1. We're going to learn a lot about the world of Ephesus. And I think it's pretty interesting how it parallels with the world you and I live in today. We'll start in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, and He made known to us the mystery of His will according to this good, His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. And we'll go on here in a minute and read some more. But I think it's really interesting that Paul comes right out of the gate and so ferociously explains this heritage that you and I have. That before we ever drew a breath, God knew us. And even had plans for us. And and he's trying to, to nail this and hit it home really hard. We'll talk about it, the, the world of Ephesus in just a minute. But the other day... Uh, the the youngest of the two kids, Hunter was three. He just turned four yesterday. They're they're taking a bath, and Sarah and I are in the kitchen and we're trying to have a nice conversation. And you hear this pitter patter, and it's the boy. He's out of the bathtub, and he goes running right through the kitchen and down the hall, buck naked. But as he's running naked, he's going, "Ha ha ha ha! I'm naked." Ha, 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 ha. And then he just keeps running. Like, what does yelling like a pirate have to do with being naked? If if we were little boys again, we would understand. But I looked at Sarah and I just said, that child of yours has issues. And she said, really? But don't we all have issues? We all have issues. And that's why Paul was being so clear about this Choosing that God gave to you and I because we all have issues. And so he's trying to nail this fact to every one of us. Let's look at the world of Ephesus. The word Ephesus actually means desirable. It was a beautiful place to live. Kind of like Gunnison, eh? Ephesus was one of the largest cities in the Greek and Roman Empire. 250,000 people lived there. That's a big city. It was such a large city that it was really easy to become a face in the crowd. And that parallels life today, I think. It's really easy to get lost in the hustle and bustle and everything that's going on. Ephesus was so defined as a city that we know more about the people and the city historically and biblically than we do any of the other letters that Paul wrote. More than Galatia or Corinth, any of them. Timothy, whom Paul wrote First and Second Timothy to, Was in Ephesus. Aquila and Priscilla served in Ephesus. Apollos served in Ephesus. Most of Acts 18 through 20 was focused on Ephesus and what was going on there. We know a lot about Ephesus. We know that it was built on the coast of Turkey and the Mediterranean Sea, and it was this hub for commercial trade. And so that means this city of a quarter of a million people was full of all kinds of cultures. But what was really interesting about Ephesus and what makes it really different from all these other cities that Paul wrote to, is Ephesus wasn't built so much on commercial trade as it was built on what they called mother goddess worship. And we'll explain what mother goddess worship is here in a minute. To the Greeks, mother goddess worship was Artemis and and to the Romans it was Diana. But here's how in your face and overwhelming it was. Most of us may have heard at some point about the Temple of Diana. It was so big, it took a a century to build. And this building actually held almost 25,000 people. It is still known today as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. That means this was real. This thing was huge, and it was in your face. But what went on at this temple? And why was it such a key part of this city? Mother goddess worship was very simple and basic. It involved flutes, incense, and sexual revelry. And frequent engagement at the temple was a highly expected social standard. If you live in this city, this is what you do. And I think that's so true to the world that you and I live in today, where who we are and what we are is literally dictated to us by our society. We have the fortune of living where we live, where it's a lot easier to to push that stuff aside. But still, there's so much influence on who we are supposed to be and the way we're supposed to think that it really affects our relationship with Christ. That's why Paul came right out in this first chapter and said, remember who you are. Don't forget the heritage that you were born with. It's amazing to me how much societal influence affects our kingdom outlook. And that's why Paul is so hot on reminding the, the Ephesians, reminding us who we are. A couple of points that I kind of picked out of this. When I look at verses 7-9, through nine, one of the things I take from that is this. When we seek God to understand His purposes, the mystery of His grace begins to define who we are. All we do is we just... Basically, genuinely seek God to discover His purposes. And His grace defines who we are. His grace does the work. Verses 7-9, through In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, and He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ. We were driving to work this summer. And there was three of us fellas, and we climbed into this little two-wheel drive, one-seat pickup truck. Now, one guy is just shy of 400 pounds. The other guy is just shy of 300 pounds. And then there's me. So naturally, I sit in the middle, which is kind of nice because I don't even need a seatbelt if I could even get to it. I'm wedged in there. But on top of that, we have this full-size Australian Shepherd who naturally goes in my lap. So this is a pickup truck that is full. And we're driving down the road. We're going right down by Highway 50 over here, you know, by McDonald's where most people like to do some hitchhiking. And there's a fella out there. And we come along in the pickup and the one guy driving goes, (laughs) watch this. And so he slows down and he pulls over. And the guy doing this goes. (laughs) And then the dog moved and he saw there was me in there too. He was like, no, I'm walking. But I think that's interesting because here's a guy. He's out there looking for a ride. And as he's in the process of looking for a ride, he quickly learns he doesn't want to go that way. That's what happens. When we seek God to understand His purposes. The mystery of His grace just begins to simply define who we are. Ephesus had a really dark center. But it was an incredibly easy place to preach the gospel because people were so hurting and so lost. That's why there were so many events that we hear about in Ephesus. Because the place was ripe. People were desperate to hear about Jesus Christ. The the Ephesians were drowning in their own culture. And that's why Paul so aggressively explains their history. He says you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You've been chosen by God. You've been forgiven. And you've been called to show and give that grace and love to the rest of the world. That's what Matthew was even talking about. In Matthew 4.16, when he's recounting, the events of Jesus Christ. He quotes Isaiah in Matthew 4.16. He says, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. That is what was happening in Ephesus. And it's something that Paul is telling us Jesus Christ has called us all to, is to understand what God's purposes are so that His grace can begin to define us. Let's look at verse 11. guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Our eternal heritage gives us purpose for today. That's what Paul's writing here. If you were an Ephesian, it was really easy to be a warm body. And I think there are quite often many times where we feel like we are warm bodies. About three, four years ago, we were having a natural, normal cold winter here. And the school was having a winter sports event day down at Legion Park here. It's the middle of the day. It was about 12 below zero. It's just a nice winter day in Gunnison. All the kids are bundled up. Everyone's bundled up. They're cross-country skiing, and their kids are going for snowmobile rides. And It was just fun to see what our local schools do here and how, how people are active. So I'm out there. I take some time off work, and I go, and I'm part of this, and I look over at the little gazebo by the pond. You guys know what I'm talking about? And there's a sleeping bag. Alright, uh, that's not good. So I go op- over and I proceed cautiously. And I'm like, hey, someone in there? And it moves. And so I go walking up. I'm like, are you, you alright, buddy? And the guy does one of these. Yeah, he was cold. I said, do you need some food? Are you, are you okay? Yeah, I'm really hungry. So I go to Sarah. I'm like, Sarah, do we got any food? And she's like, yeah, it's Girl Scout season. We got all kinds of Girl Scout cookies. So I'll go get some Girl Scout cookies. And I take him a whole box of Girl Scout cookies. And I'm like, hey, buddy, here's some here's some food. Oh, thank you. And I, I just looked at the guy and I said, man, this is not a good place to be bumming it. it, it when you get the chance, you know, let, let's move on, right? I wasn't thinking of, you know, helping the guy out any more than that. I go back to the kids, and they're doing their thing, and I go through the rest of my day, totally forgot about this guy. Well, we're sitting down for dinner that night, and it's dark, and we're having SOS for dinner. You guys know what SOS is? St- stuff on a shingle, hamburger gravy, you can put onions and mushrooms in it, and you can put it on toast, or mashed potatoes, or noodles, or cardboard, and it's just yum, 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 yum. The kids love it, right? So we sit down to eat, and we pray And I look over at the thermometer and it says 22 below. And right then I went, the dude at the park. So we scramble together all this food and blankets and stuff and we go to the park and I've got Denali with me and I I park out on the road and and I give her my cell phone and I said, if I signal you, I want you to go ahead and call 911 because this guy might need some help. And so I go up there and I, I tap on him. Hey, hey buddy, are you okay in there? And he pokes his head out and he goes, I don't think so. And so, I've waved it to Nolly. We, we end up calling 911. They flight for life the guy out. And I just went, thank God we remembered him. Thank God. Sadly, we are continually told we are unimportant in a world full of so many. And even as Christians... We can find ourselves on the inside believing very little about God's purposes for us. And one of the problems with that is as we lose sight of God, we begin to lose sight of who we're called to be. Hypothermia is so effective because it's a process of us slowly lying to ourselves. I'll shiver it off. I'll work it off. I'll sleep it off. And before we know it, we have faded away. But isn't that what happens with everything that's around us? We slowly lie to ourselves until we're in this hypothermic state. There are so many people who love Jesus with all their hearts, but are mentally and spiritually defeated because they've stopped believing God's guaranteed inheritance of the Holy Spirit in their life. That sets them apart. And here's what happens. We're surrounded by lies. Pretty soon we start repeating the lies and then we start believing the lies. And that happens in so many of our lives. Ephesians 13, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing Our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Guaranteeing. What I think is really important about this too is that as we, community church, are out in the community, we have a better understanding of the real actual world that people live in. People actually live in tough situations if we were all honest we could say we all have real world issues in our lives and we as christians as we seek and learn and discover how god takes us through those and and gives us courage and strength and we get to this place where we we take that message out to other people but when we understand that dark world that other people live in it gives us a foothold in their life to speak into their situations Paul even reminded that to the Corinthians in, in 2 Corinthians 5.7. He says, we live by faith, not by sight. That means we live by faith, not by feelings. We live by faith, not by our circumstances. We live by faith, not by what we can understand on our own. Ephesians uh, 1 verse 15 the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of His mighty strength. Continually ask God to enlighten the eyes to the foundation of who you are and the hope that He's called you to. Paul says that specifically. I pray that your eyes might be enlightened. In other words, there is a foundation that every one of us has. And Paul is saying, let your eyes be enlightened to that foundation that we have. I, will, I think I was in fourth or fifth grade. Uh, my dad decides to leave his boys at home alone on a Friday night. But what's probably not appropriate is he left my brother with all of his friends there too. So we have this house full of middle school boys and no parents. Not a setup for disaster, right? Well, it's dark and this crazy storm comes in. The thunder and lightning kind of storm. But you guys ever been around that thunder that's so close it shakes everything? So this thunder starts coming in. Kaboom! Power goes out. The lightning is like Flashing in the house and illuminating. The, the rain starts hitting the windows. And us boys got scared. And no one wants to be, you know, like, hey, guys. But you could feel it in the room. Now, I hesitate sharing this with you. But here, I, I look over at my brother. And I go, Jared, we should do something. And he's like, okay. I said, let's pray. And he goes, "Uh, yeah, go ahead. His friends were not Christians. They didn't go to church. They didn't think about church. But I was like, I'm praying because I'm scared. So I go over to the window and I go, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. And the wind and the rain actually settled out after a little bit. And then they were really scared. Make rain stuff come back. That was weird. That was really weird. Fast forward like 10 years. We're all at a party together. Same group of guys. My brothers always had the same club of friends growing up. And I never really had very many. Like They just had this strong group of friends. And we're partying, you know, and we're all hanging out, and we're talking and joking. And one of the friends asked this question. He goes, hey who do you think has changed the most here since we were kids? And so we all start telling stories. Oh, he has. Oh, he has. Oh, he has. And the one guy, I remember plain as day, he looks at me and he goes, you have. And it took about two weeks for for that to register with me. And the reason why is I I had to go all the way back to that time where I was standing at a window as a kid Declaring the name of Jesus (laughs) against the wind and the storm. And it was actually real to those guys. And I had forgotten that heritage that I had. I'd forgotten what I believed in. And I was just like one of the other guys. I'd forgotten who I was. We think unbelievers don't watch us, they watch us. They watch everything we do over and over again, day in and day out, and those guys were watching me. And it made such a chord with the one guy that he had to say something about it. It made me rethink about some things in my life, and that was probably one of the beginning points where I transitioned back to Jesus Christ as the foundation of my life. But Paul said that specifically to us, I pray that your eyes would be enlightened to the the heritage and the foundation of who you are. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter if it was good or bad. It doesn't matter if it started out in church or not. Because Paul says right here, you, before you drew your first breath, had a guaranteed eternal heritage. And you need to remember that. God has a calling on your life that we need to remember so we can follow it. Ephesians 17. I keep asking that God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and that you may know Him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. We're going to close with a hymn here in just a minute. Amazing grace, but I want to share this story with you. Um, I'm, we're sitting on the couch the other night, and my kids have been asking lots of questions about church. They've been asking lots of questions about God and the Bible, and so it's been really cool being a part of this adventure with them. Uh, they're all, the whole family's, most of the family's sick today, so they're not here. Um, but Denali specifically, she was born with a song in her heart. And I keep telling her, you gotta get with Val and 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 work on this because she's got a notebook of, of of worship songs that she's written. And like and she's terrified to get on the stage. And I keep trying to encourage her, you gotta do that. You gotta do and, but she can't get past that point. But we're sitting on the couch the other night and you guys know how teenage girls are. They'll start talking about something like whatever it is and it's la 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 And you just want to grab him and go, I love you. Take a breath. It's okay. You can put a period in your sentences. Just stop. Okay, calm down. We're sitting on the couch, and she just starts rambling to me. Dad, you know what? I... I want to know God so much more. I'm, I'm tired of being you know, frustrated at school with my friends and, and I don't know what to do. And, and I want to know what God's word says about my life and I want, to start, I want to start serving Him and I want to start this. And she's rambling, like she's on a rant. And I'm just sitting there going, I'm taking it. I want to start a Bible study. I want to start. I want, we're going to call it God's Girls, and we're going to start getting all these girls that are coming to this thing, and and and, and it's going to be awesome because we're going to, we're going to go to the school and we're going to affect the schools. But but it starts because I want to know what God wants for my life. And I'm like, who are you? You are not a normal teenage girl. And I on the inside I was just going, yes. Here's this 13 year old girl wanting to know. God's foundation was for her. Wanting to know the hope that God had called her to. And I thought, wouldn't that be great if we all did that on a daily basis? If we all went, God, help me remember who You called me to be. Every day, help me remember that so I can live it. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for this beautiful day. For Your love and Your goodness. And we just ask that today, God, You would open our eyes. And enlighten our eyes to the foundation that you have called each one of us. Lord, there is such a deep heritage for each person here. And I ask God that you would help us to share that with those around us. But that we would also believe it so deeply and so honestly and sincerely. That we would live by faith in everything we do. No matter how dark the circumstances are. That we would live by faith. And in doing that, God, we would see your grace define us. We ask as we go out into this world in Ephesus that you would help us to, to shine your light and to remind others of this beautiful calling that God has on all of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.